The views and opinions expressed in Cold and Missing are exclusively those of the hosts. All parties mentioned are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Cold and Missing also contains adult themes and languages and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cold and Missing. This is our second episode. Um, Thank you all so much for the response to our first episode. It's been amazing. Um, We've had a lot of downloads and a lot of interactions um, with our content. So thank you so much. I'm completely blown away by this response and very humbled by it. So thank you. But whenever you're listening to this, whenever you come across it, it's the right time and exactly when you're supposed to be listening to it. So no worries if you're dropping in from the future. To give a little bit more insight into how we run our show, I'm your host, Allie, and my co-host is my husband, Eli. Yes. <laughs> so... Eli listens along, um, and this is the first time that he hears any of um, the research that I've done all week. So um, I'm very like a middle schooler covering their test to make sure nobody cheats whenever he walks by during the week when I'm researching. So he's here to ask questions that you as an audience member might have as you're listening to this, because sometimes I can get a little lost in the weeds with my research, so he helps me stay on track and stay focused and tell a cohesive story. So should we just jump in for this week? Yep. Okay, great. So we are covering a missing persons, or missing persons case. Um, we are going to be talking about Tianda and Diamond Bradley, and they have been missing since July of 2001. So 20 years, a little over 20 years they've been missing. Tianda was 10 years old when she was missing, and she would now be 31 in 2022. And Diamond was three years old when she went missing, and she would be 24 in the year 2022. So this case brings us back to Chicago. I promise we're going to cover cases all over the United States, the world, but um, this one has stuck with me ever since I first heard about it. I really wanted this to be one of the first cases that I talked about. So July 2001... The girls are living on the south side of Chicago, and they are living in the Oakland neighborhood, which, if you're from Chicago, it's directly east of Bronzeville, and it runs along Lake Michigan there. And Tianda and Diamond are living with their mother, Tracy, and their two other sisters, Victoria and Rita. The family describes um, the girls as very smart, and they're both athletic. Tianda had won several park district awards in running, tumbling, and gymnastics. And Tianda loved to dance. Um, One of her great aunts would say, like, if you were down, it didn't matter where you were. If you just told Tianda to dance, she would dance. Didn't matter if she was waiting for the bus, at church, didn't matter. She would just dance. They also described Tianda as a laugher, like she laughed at everything. And she was very outgoing with family, but shy with strangers. And Tianda and Diamond, out of the four sisters, they had a very special bond, and 
Tianda would like often carry her around on her hip like she was like her own little baby doll so they were always together and neighbors family friends like always put the two girls together and Diamond um, she was three years old when she went missing but the family talked about how much energy energy she would have she would jump from couch to couch she would snatch food right off of your plate she was always running after her older sisters to try to hang out with them And Tianda, one of her teachers, described her as um, being the shortest kid in class, but she acted the tallest, which I loved. And I know that person very well. (laughs) Like, I know that personality very well of short but mighty, you know? (laughs) Um, Neighbors also mentioned that Tianda was one of the few kids in the neighborhood that had a bike, but she was always sharing it with all the kids in the neighborhood so everyone could ride. So like, these were just very sweet and very kind girls and loving sisters. So the day that they disappeared, the last day that we see them, is Friday, July 6th, 2001. Tracy, their mother, um, she wakes up and gets ready for work. And it's just Tianda and Diamond staying at the house um, with Tracy at this time. Their two other sisters are staying the night at um, their grandmother's house. So just Diamond and Tianda are at that house um, when Tracy wakes up. Tracy leaves for work at around 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. it's reported. It's mostly reported as 6, but in an interview I'll talk about later, um, Tracy says she leaves at 6.30. Tianda and Diamond were sleeping on the couch in the living room because this is summertime in Chicago and it's hot and the AC unit was in the living room so the kids were sleeping on the couch which makes complete sense. So Tracy wakes Tianda up before leaving and told her I'm locking the door and I'll call you don't go out that door. So Tracy was leaving Tianda and Diamond by themselves while she went to work and In 2022, that seems, like, unfathomable to, like, leave a 10-year-old to watch a 3-year-old. But in 2001, this feels way more common. Um, Like, I used to be left with my brother to watch, and I remember watching kids pretty young um, while their parents were gone for a few hours. So, like, this is, like, pretty normal for the time period, even though just 20 years later, it's very hard to imagine leaving a 10-year-old to watch a three-year-old. So Tracy, their mother, arrives at work around 6.40, and her boyfriend has dropped her off at work. Her boyfriend is also Diamond's father, and she recently had filed a paternity suit against him in June of 2001 in order to get child support payments just, like, dictated by the court, from my understanding. So he drops her off at work at 6.40, And she works at the park district, like getting lunches ready for a summer camp program. So it's about a 10 minute drive from the apartment. So it makes sense if she leaves at 6.30, she arrives at 6.40. And the program director of this like summer camp program gets there at eight. And she said, Tracy has been at work and is working when she gets there. So while Tracy's at work, at around 8 a.m., she calls them from a work phone and there's no answer. So she would be calling like the landline. This is 2001, so people still have landlines. So she calls the apartment's landline, no answer. She calls back seven minutes later, 
and there's still no answer at the apartment. She goes back to work and she calls again at around 8.45 and still nobody picks up. So she's worried, but she's assumed that the girls have fallen back asleep at this point. That's what she's running on. And now we're going to get into a little bit of a murky area. So this is all of witnesses and what's been reported as Tianda and Diamond's last known whereabouts of this day. The last time we for sure see them is, you know, their mother leaving at 6 a.m. to go to work. But these are all kind of stories that have not been confirmed by the police, but have been reported in the media. So between 8.17 and 8.30, so this would be kind of in between the times that Tracy's calling from work. The family says Tianda called her mother's cell phone and left a voicemail. So Tracy's cell phone was not on her that day. She had left it with her mother, who I believe is the grandmother that is watching Victoria and Rita, the two other girls. So again, for 2001, it was kind of common to like share a cell phone or to pass it along and let somebody else use it. I know my dad let me take his to orchestra camp for a week. Like I think this exact year in 2001. So it's like a common occurrence at that time for people to pass out the cell phone. The police never confirm this voicemail. The police never say they have heard it. They, they really have no comment on it, but the family, they all say around 10 of them heard it, and they found it after the girls went missing. Tracy was being questioned by the police and had left her cell phone with her family. So they decided to look through her cell phone, and they found the voicemail from Tianda. The family says the police accidentally deleted the voicemail, and police cannot confirm this. So maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know, but... That's what the family says happened. And here's what they say can, was contained in the voicemail. It was Tianda, and she says, Mama, this is Tianda. Mom, pick up the phone. George is at the door. Can I open the door? He said that we're going to Jules to pick up the cake there. We're coming to pick you up from work. End of voicemail. So, George, that could be Tracy's boyfriend, Diamond's father, his name is George Washington, that could be him at the door, but a neighbor is also named George who often babysat the girls, so there's a neighbor also named George, but the family leans that it's, she could be talking about Washington at the door because the girls had a nickname for their neighbor who babysat them that that's what they called them him by as opposed to George. I don't know what the nickname was. It's never said, but that's why the family thinks that it was Washington that Tianda's talking about in this voicemail. And George Washington denies that he ever went back to the apartment after dropping Tracy off at work. At 10 a.m., a neighbor says that Tianda knocked on his door and asked to play with his daughter, but he said that it was too early and that his daughter couldn't come out and play. Another neighbor told newspapers that she saw the girls between 2.30 and 3 o'clock playing at the apartment complex where they lived, and she says that Tianda ran up to her and asked if she had any juice or candy, and this neighbor was walking her kids to the beach. And then 
Another witness report, or witnesses report, at a nearby elementary school, Doolittle Elementary, a summer school program was going on there, and the kids there say that they saw Diamond and Tianda playing at 8 a.m. before school started, and then again around noon. But none of these sightings, the neighbor that, uh, that Tianda came and knocked on the door to ask if she could play with his daughter, the neighbor that she asked if she had any juice or candy, and then the school kids. None of these have been confirmed by police as true sightings. They, they may have been confirmed, but they're not telling us that. So how do you know? These have all been reported in newspapers. So reporters went out. And, and your clippings. And my clippings, and my newspaper clippings. <laughs> the clippings of a madman. Truly. Okay, so that's the end of the murkiness as far as Tianda and Diamond's last day, or their last known day around. So now we, we kind of get to jump back into like facts and things that we know have happened um, on this day. Because I think police were initially worried that witnesses or the children at the school were maybe confusing the day that they saw them. So maybe it wasn't Friday they saw them. Maybe it was Thursday and they're confusing it for Friday. I think there was some of that that they had to sort through in the beginning. But now we are jumping back into things that we know happened. So Tracy returns home. Um, It's reported that she returned home at 11 with George Washington. So he drove her home. When she comes home, the door is locked. The apartment door is locked, but the girls are gone. And she calls out for them and there's no response. And she finds a note that she believes Tianda left on the couch near a bundle of clothes. In the beginning, there's a lot of questions around this note, and this note like is pretty important uh, when it comes to this case because it, it's one of really the only clues we have as to what happened to Tianda and Diamond that day. The note has never been publicly has never been published, so we don't know verbatim what the note said, like the exact language that was written on it. But essentially, Tianda wrote that they were going to the school, which is Doolittle Elementary, which is about two blocks away, or they were going to the Lake Meadows Shopping Center, which is across the street from Doolittle. Now, in the beginning... Every time this note is talked about, it's like an it's like an or situation. So they talk about the note, and it's like they were going to do little or the shopping center. So I don't know like what the verbiage is that kind of makes it unclear. But later, as the years progress, it's written that the note says they are going to do little and then the shopping center. It's import- the school is important here in the note because Tianda, this is the elementary school she attended throughout the year, but she was also attending summer school in the summer of 2001 and had perfect attendance until this day. The school calls um, the apartment at 10.10, so this would have been after Tracy was calling the apartment and this would have been after Tianda allegedly left the voicemail on her mother's cell phone. The school called the apartment at around 10.10, and there was no answer. 
And Tracy acknowledges that she kept Tianda out of school that day to watch Diamond because there was a plan to go on a camping trip that Friday for the weekend to celebrate Victoria's birthday. So the plan was Tianda would stay home and watch Diamond. Tracy would come home with George. I, I believe he was supposed to be going on this trip as well. I believe the other two sisters were supposed to go because it was Victoria's birthday the next day, so that Saturday, while they were going to be on this camping trip. But in later articles, it said that the other two sisters weren't going to be going. So there's like, I have some questions around this camping trip that's talked about. As it's reported now, Tracy kept Tianda out of school, but that wasn't reported to the school because the school called, you know, asking where she was because she didn't show up for school. In the voicemail said that they were going to Jewel to get a cake because it was going to be Victoria's birthday that weekend and this camping trip was happening, so I don't know. But very specifically later on, it said that the other two sisters weren't going. So there's some questions around this. We're going back to the note that was found at the apartment. Tracy walks in, finds this note that they're going to Doolittle and or the shopping center that's across the street from Doolittle Elementary. It's about two blocks from their apartment home. And the family says it's highly unlikely that the girls wrote a note. And... They say that Tianda would call her mother's cell phone if she had something to tell her, and they kind of point to the voicemail that she allegedly left, being like, well, she called her earlier, why wouldn't she call her again? And the family says the language within the note, it wasn't how Tianda spoke at all. And family members were genuinely surprised to hear that a note had been left because it was just unlike Tianda to leave a note. At this point, she would call her mother's cell phone to like let her know if something was changing or to ask her a question, um, she would not leave a note. And then later on, one of the girl's aunts, she's quoted as saying, quote, the letter was Tianda's penmanship, but truly in my heart, I think she was coached into writing that letter. When she wrote letters or certain words, she wouldn't spell them correctly. So this didn't match up with her writing, end quote. And Tianda was going to summer school specifically for her reading and writing. The family speaks of specific grammar and spelling that, like, Tianda, they don't think Tianda would have been using or would have been able to spell on her own without somebody coaching her. The FBI will collect samples of Tianda's writing from school and also take Tracy's handwriting as a sample. According to the FBI, um, they believe Tianda did, in fact, write the note and that she was not under duress while she wrote it. And this makes the family believe that it was somebody that she knew that was coaching her to write the letter, that it wasn't a stranger. And they also have described Tianda as being very street smart. I mean, this is a girl who grew up in the city of Chicago, so she knows stranger danger. She knows not to talk to strangers or let a stranger into the home. So she's you know, she's street smart, and they believe that only somebody who she trusted um, would she have unlocked the apartment door for that day. And their mother, Tracy, she's also said that the note is odd because it's not something that Tianda would normally do. Tracy, at this point, is starting to feel a little panicked, and she asks George Washington, Diamond's father, um, to help look for the girls, but he declines to do so and he just gets in his car and leaves. 
So Tracy starts calling family members to begin searching. In 2021, I found a report that at around noon, Tracy and George Washington had gone to Jewel um, to buy food and that there is a receipt stamped 1221. So that does happen during this time period. And later, Tracy's timeline shifts a little bit when she talks to a reporter because it's all reported that she returns at 11, 11 a.m., 11 a.m., 11 a.m. Like that's repeated again and again. But later she'll say that she got off work at 11.40, which would give her the time to borrow $20 from a neighbor and go to Jewel to buy the food and then come home at around 12.30, which she'll say later is when she got home. So that timeline allows for this, but up until this point, it had been 11, 11, 11 the whole time. So that's a little question I have. Family continue to search for the girls throughout the apartment complex. And at 6 p.m., the girls are officially reported missing. And Tracy is nervous to call police because she's scared that she's going to get in trouble because she left the girls alone and she has two other daughters that she doesn't want them to get taken away. So another family member had kind of advised her, like, hey, you can't call them right away. So that's why the phone call to the police comes so late is because she had been advised by family members that like she was going to get into a lot of trouble. So she should try to look for them and find them herself. But at six o'clock, the police were called. And because Tracy is scared, um, she initially lies to police and says that she was in the apartment taking a nap. And when she woke up, the girls were gone. And so this slows things down in the beginning because the police think that the girls left on their own accord and don't think that... They think that if somebody came into the apartment and got the girls, that Tracy would have woken up and heard it. So it slows down the investigation in the beginning a little bit because they think the girls just walked away. But eventually, like, the truth comes out that they were left alone, like, she was at work. And so, like, that gets cleared up. But it does slow down the investigation in, like, those first hours when the police are there, which are always critical. Police begin canvassing the neighborhood that evening, but they find no trace of them. So that's Friday. That's the last time Tianda and Diamond are seen. So this will lead us into Saturday. Saturday is Tianda and Diamond's sister's birthday. Victoria and... Later, um, when she's in high school, she'll give an interview, and it, it, like, breaks my heart. She never celebrates her birthday again after this because it's the day after her sisters go missing, and, like, how could you celebrate your birthday, like, with this dark cloud above it? But it is her birthday on July 7th, and police do not suspect foul play at this point, and... You know, in the media, in the news reports, um, you know, the police are kind of talking to Tianda and Diamonds. Like, you know, if you're out there, nobody's going to be mad if you come home. It's okay. Like, just come home. Let somebody know you're okay. Like, it's that kind of language where they think that the girls are just, like, hiding and maybe, like, scared to come home because they're in trouble. There's been this, like, big commotion. Like, that's really the language that is used that first Saturday after they go missing. Police 
interrogate Tracy on Saturday for around six hours. And while that's happening, other police are searching railroad tracks. They utilize a helicopter over Lake Michigan and divers are searching all through Lake Michigan and neighbors are getting together and canvassing the neighborhood and passing out flyers. So like not only are the police searching, but like everybody in the neighborhood starting to come out and look for these girls. It really becomes like a citywide effort to find them pretty quickly, but definitely right away. The family's looking, the police are looking, and the neighbors start to look very quickly for these girls. And everyone's very aware that they're gone. So Sunday, July 8th, there's a larger and earlier police presence around their home. And dogs were starting to be used to sniff cars in the area. And police focused their attention around 31st Street Beach um, on Lake Michigan. And this comes from a witness that said he saw the girls walking towards the beach. And in this area, there's like a pedestrian bridge that goes from the neighborhoods onto the beach, and there was the other neighbor who was walking her kids to the beach, so it's very, very close. A neighbor at this time also begins organizing a search of her own, and she creates new flyers because she doesn't think that the blurry black and white police bulletin is like up to standard, so she goes home and makes these like beautiful color flyers to pass out through the neighborhood, so like everybody's jumping in to try to find these girls. And their mother is questioned for eight hours by police on Sunday. On Monday, July 9th, Chicago police officially asked the FBI to get involved in the case. But the case continues to be handled as a missing person case and not as a kidnapping case. So basically, they are treating it like Tiond and Diamond walked away of their own accord or ran away and children aren't allowed to just go missing like that's that's not in your rights until you're 18 like you can't just go missing but police have no evidence at this time that they were abducted or kidnapped so they are treating it as a missing person case two neighbors come forward and say they saw the girls playing at the apartment complex as late as 3 p.m on the day they went missing if that's true if they were playing at 3 p.m that means that Tracy would have been home by this time, so you would think that she would have been able to find them quickly if they had been playing, but maybe the neighbors are confused on the day. Maybe she was missing them. I don't know, but there's this report of two neighbors saying they were playing around the apartment complex. Police and FBI are going door to door, and the FBI brings in bloodhounds to search for the girls and to try to find their trace. On Monday, police question Tracy for six hours, and they also start questioning other members of the families. And this is when nightly prayer vigils also begin and are organized by neighbors. So they say they're going to hold a nightly prayer vigil every night until the girls return. Sadly, that is not the case. They now hold yearly vigils for the girls, but in the beginning they were doing vigils every night for them. No new leads as of Tuesday, no, no confirmed sightings and no evidence of the girls, or rather on Monday. So on Tuesday, July 10th, um, the police search is 
frenzied and expanded on this day. So they really kick it up a notch. And police will have a hundred officers on the case at all times, rotating in and out of searching. The Cook County Forest Preserve Police spot two dirt mounds in the Dan Ryan Woods, about two blocks apart. The Dan Ryan Woods are um, on the south side of Chicago, and this would have been about eight miles south of where the girl's apartment was. And so police seal off the woods. Police, FBI, they bring F- um, they bring in cadaver dogs to search the woods um, for the girls. They locate the two mounds. They were about two blocks apart within the woods, and they search for a while in the woods, but the mounds that they were originally called in for just ends up being landscaping and compost material. But police say that these woods are known for like dumping and burying pets, so it doesn't seem outside the norm that somebody would try to bury a body here. And police also say they are focusing on woods and other wide open spaces because they are near a home of a relative that they are questioning. The relative is not named, like who they're questioning and why they're searching all these places near this relative, but they'll question this person into Thursday. So police also on this day searched the Dan Ryan Woods and then they focused on Washington Park. Um, searching the lagoon. They had divers in the lagoon because a minister had called in and said while he was praying for the girls, he had a vision of two bags being thrown into the lagoon. So that prompted the police to dispatch divers into the lagoon. Nothing was found there. And a radio station also received an anonymous tip that there were two dead bodies in an abandoned house near Vincent's Ave and 103rd. So this is like, I looked it up on Google Maps. This is like south, south, barely Chicago anymore, like almost to like the southern suburbs. But when police arrive at this location, there's no house at this location, this corner. So they expand out on a floor of four black radius and search all the nearby railroad tracks and um, wooded areas nearby, but they don't come up with anything. Police also bring in dogs to search along railroad tracks. They searched dumpsters along 87th Street. All in all, when this is said and done, the police will have searched 42 tons of trash, is what they say. So this search, this is like the biggest search on Tuesday between the Dan Ryan Woods, Washington Park, the Vincent's and 103rd Avenue. This is like kind of the biggest search day and the search turned up lots of child's clothing but none of it could be tied to Tianda and Diamond. And unfortunately at the time the girls went missing nobody knew what they were wearing because Tracy left before they got dressed. So that evening they were having their nightly prayer vigil. Tracy pleads with whoever has her children to let them go. And then after this prayer vigil, police are going to take Tracy in for the fourth time to question her. So on Wednesday, July 11th, police return to the Dan Ryan Woods and finish searching the woods with cadaver dogs. Based off of the places they're looking, like 
in the trash and bringing in cadaver dogs like they are to me that's looking for bodies and not trying to locate like a child who has wandered off and at this time the note that tianda left is still being analyzed by the police and the fbi so police are trying to review security footage to see if they can confirm the neighbor sightings of the girls at three playing around the apartment complex in 2021 it was actually reported that the security cameras at the apartment complex couldn't catch anything because they had been turned up to face the ceiling and there's no details of when that happened or if they think it's related to the crime or if maybe they had gotten turned up before and nobody had noticed and you know it just had stayed that way, but the security cameras in the front of the apartment complex didn't catch anything. I don't know if security cameras in the back caught anything or if they caught anything from the apartment complex security cameras, but they're not telling us. So on Wednesday, July 11th, police seem to zero in on George Washington, who is Diamond's father and at the time Tracy's boyfriend on again, off again, boyfriend. So police searched the home, garage, and car of Diamond's father, George Washington. And the focus of the search seemed to be centered around his garage. And the police search his vehicle and they actually find hair in the trunk of his vehicle. And testing reveals that the hair could have come from Tianda, Diamond, or Tracy. So it's a little inconclusive, but it came from one of them. Washington says that the reason the hair is there is because he would sneak Tianda and Diamond and the other girls into drive-in movies around the city. But at the time of this in 2001, there were no drive-ins in the city of Chicago. There were in the suburbs, but none in the city. Police also are asking Washington's neighbors about his comings and goings on Friday, and specifically if they saw any fires. And four teenagers and three neighbors say they saw him burning something in a 55-gallon drum in his backyard, and then he took the barrel and put it in his trunk and drove off. Washington says he never burned anything, but he was doing home remodeling and would fill the drum with trash and debris, then take it to Washington Park to dump in construction dumpsters there. Police searched those dumpsters. Nothing was ever found related to Tianda and Diamond, to my knowledge. And police also find a receipt from Home Depot for a purchase made shortly before the girls went missing. That was for gloves, construction, garbage bags, and bleach. Washington says this is related to his home remodeling. Sure. It's very questionable. Very questionable. But Washington fully cooperates with the police and is let go. It's reported that his polygraph comes back inconclusive. But Tracy will continue to date Washington and she ends up having another child by him as well. So there's also that. So it's still Wednesday, July 11th, and police also find video surveillance taken from Jewel, but it'll take the family days to review it. At this time, Tracy 
was being questioned a lot by police. So she hired a lawyer, which I think is completely reasonable considering what we know about the Chicago Police Department as a whole. On Wednesday, the police come to her and ask her to watch this video, and she says no on the counsel of her lawyer. On Thursday, the family goes to the police to watch the video, but the police don't have it. The FBI have it. So they're not able to watch it on Thursday, July 12th. And on this day, the police just continue to re-interview family members and neighbors looking for new leads. So this is Friday, July 13th, 2001. So this is one week after Tianda and Diamond were last seen. Tracy meets with police and reviews the video of the surveillance footage. And it's not the girls. The family ends up reviewing at least three surveillance videos that day. Two from July 6th, which is the day the girls went missing. And then um, the jewel tape, which is the tape that's talked about here. And the police now believe the girls did not leave on their own. Like, oh, really? You're now getting there? Okay. And a woman called police and said on July 6th, the day the girls went missing, she saw two young girls enter an abandoned church near her home. So cadaver dogs were sent into the church and two mounds were discovered in the basement crawl space. One was about three feet. One was about five feet, which was matches the heights for Tianda and Diamond at the time they went missing. But after a five-hour search of the church and in the basement, there's nothing. It's just dirt. No signs of Tianda and Diamond. On Saturday, July 14th, 2001, police officially expand the search to the entire city of Chicago. So they had really been focusing just on the south side and in the girls' neighborhood. But now it's officially expanded to the entire city, and the girl's story airs on America's Most Wanted at the time. So only just a week and one day after they go missing, they get on America's Most Wanted, which is great. Sunday, July 15th, and Monday, July 16th, there's no updates. Um, They get a few leads from America's Most Wanted, but nothing to, like, write about in the news or anything to bring any hope to the family. So on Tuesday, July 17th, the FBI has offered a reward for more info, and Chicago Public Schools also kicks in money for the reward, and the girls' apartment complex as well puts money in for a reward. So, like, all these, like, people want to find the girls, and they want to find them alive and well. So police, on Tuesday, order that every abandoned building in the city be searched. So every district would be in charge of, like, their abandoned buildings and all in all over 5,600 abandoned buildings were searched which I was like there's that many abandoned buildings in Chicago like give them to people that's crazy like let people live in those houses that's nuts the note that Tianda left is still being analyzed uh, by the FBI Um, Wednesday July 18th the police continue their search of abandoned houses on this day, but they actually end up wrapping it up. So it only took two days to search every abandoned house in Chicago, which is crazy fast, I feel like. Think of how fucking big the police force is. Well, I guess that's fair. That They have the money to do this shit. So Thursday, July 19th, Just shy of two weeks um, after the girls were last seen, the FBI makes their official announcement that Tianda did, in fact, write the letter. 
And Tracy goes on a radio show and talks about the psychological torture from the police. She says, quote, they didn't beat me up. They dogged me out. They were trying to make me a suspect, end quote. A lot of people want to cast Tracy in a bad light and say she was, like, not cooperating with police. But, like, that's not true. Like, she was cooperating with police, but they were, like, trying to railroad her. So she got a lawyer and got help. And we know the Chicago Police Department loves to railroad people. I do not think Tracy is perfect in this, but I definitely do not blame her for being cautious in her interactions with the police. If I was suddenly in, under investigation, I would not look perfect either. No, None of us would. No. Everything you do looks suspicious all of a sudden. So Friday, July 20th, 2001, This would be officially two weeks after the girls were last seen. Police search the city's pounds with cadaver dogs. And they say this isn't prompted by any tip, but they're just checking logical places that the girls could have been hidden, which is a horrible sentence. And this search of the auto pounds continues into Saturday, July 21st, and wraps up that day. The next day, Sunday... July 22nd, the police announced that they are going to be expanding their search to Wolf Lake, which is in Indiana, but it's right on the border of Illinois as well. And again, they say that there's no tip, that they just want to search it. So on Monday, July 23rd, police search Wolf Lake and they bring a very large police presence. So not only the Chicago Police Department, but the FBI is there and they also bring in recruits from like the police academy to search Wolf Lake. So it's really big and the police say like they want a big presence because they want media to cover it. But then they're really quick to say like this isn't staged though. We're not just doing this as like a staged thing. So why they were out there if they found anything Nothing was reported, and they also walked along the Dan Ryan Expressway that day as well, looking for clues or signs of the girls. So after the Wolf Lake search, it really slows down as far as physical presence in the community and, like, searching for the girls. Tuesday, July 24th, there's no news. Um, Wednesday, the police say that they are shifting their focus to behind-the-scenes work, but insist that they're not scaling back at all. I've never heard of a search like this, this big, in Chicago. This is one of the largest searches ever in Chicago history. But it got into the hands of the, the FBI. Yes, the FBI was called in three days after the girls went missing. So... Thursday, July 26th, the case is officially reclassified as a kidnapping case because of how long the girls have been missing. But the police claim that they have been handling it as if it were a kidnapping from the beginning. But I don't think that's true. Um, And the family doesn't think it's true either. Because the home, like the girls' apartment was not sealed off and fingerprinted for days after they had disappeared. Whereas... If they had treated it as a kidnapping, they would have sealed it off, fingerprinted that day. But that didn't happen until several days after. And at that point, you know, police had already been through their family, had been through their neighbors, had stopped by. Like, it had been a place of high activity at that point. But the police are still holding out hope that they're alive. And they say they have no indication that would say otherwise. 
Friday, July 26th, 2001, this is three weeks after the girls have been missing, Tracy is interviewed by the Chicago Tribune, and this is where the timeline shifts a little bit. So previously, everything had been saying she left at 6, she was gone by 6, she left the girls at 6, but now she left at 6.30, which makes sense to her arriving at 6.40. And originally, it was reported she was home at 11, um, but now it's she was off work at 11.50. George and her stopped by the supermarket, which is supported by that receipt. And she also says in this interview that the note was on the table, um, but everywhere else, any other time it's mentioned, the note is on the back of the couch. Like it's very specifically on the back of the couch, but in this interview, Tracy says that she found it on the table. I don't know if she was just mistaken or if there is a discrepancy there, I'm not sure. And then originally the police were called at six, but in this interview, she says they were called at 6.30. That's really easily, like, easy to confirm. Police have records of when she called, but they never really say. Like, they are saying six, but in this interview, she is saying 6.30. So I don't really know what time the girls are officially reported, but I feel it's safe to assume it's sometime between six and 6.30 that day. And then after that month, the case really drops off. So August 2001, police collect DNA evidence and hair samples um, in the event that they need to ID them because the girls don't have any dental records. So they have to have the girls' DNA in order to identify them later if they were to find human remains that they would suspect would be them. Police search a trailer yard near McCormick Place, which is near the lake in Chicago, and it's near Museum Campus, where all of like the big-named museums in Chicago are. So the Field Museum, Museum of Science and Industry, Adler Planetarium, the Shedd Aquarium, it's near there. It's where the Chicago auto show is held every year, so it's like a convention, a very well-known convention center in Chicago. So near there, um, they searched that area and they found nothing. But during the month of August, the prayer vigils at the family's home continue every night, but they do begin to dwindle in attendance and neighbors lose hope that the girls are coming home alive. And then September 2001, 9-11 happens and all media coverage is completely dropped for the girls at this point. And 9-11 dominates the news from that point out. And the girls aren't really mentioned in the news. It's like the staircase. That was right when Kathleen Kathleen died that mm-hmm. December. Yeah. Sorry, continue. It's not really brought up again um, in the news until the six-month anniversary of the girls being missing. And at that point, there's no news. The police say that they have received 504 tips at the six-month point. And it's during the year of 2002 that... Police also go to ask Tracy some questions about her daughters. And after she says that she needs to talk with a lawyer before she, you know, she wants to talk to her lawyer before she answers them, they, witnesses say the police shoved her against a fence and roughly handcuffed her and swore at her. And the police say she pushed her, or she pushed them, of course. She... She pushed all of them. She pushed at one time. the two plainclothes police officers with guns on them. She pushed them. 
But no charges are ever put against her, and she's released that evening. So, like, the relationship between the police and Tracy are just not good. And it's, like, for obvious reason. Like, they are treating her poorly, like the mother of these missing children. And Tracy will go on to file a complaint about this incident later. But I I don't know what becomes of that complaint. Nothing is reported on it. At the one-year mark, 662 leads have been received at that point, but still no signs of the girls. 2003, there's no real updates. And then in 2004, on... April 5th, 2004, a possible sighting in Indiana is said to have happened of the girls. So they are reported to be seen at a Walmart near Indianapolis. And then on April 25th, 2004, another possible sighting of the girls at an event at Garfield Park in Indianapolis. And then there's a third unspecific sighting also in Indiana. I don't know if it's Indianapolis, but it's also in Indiana. So police and the family's private investigator look into this, but nothing turns up. And the case is officially moved into the cold case unit for the Chicago police. 2005, Tracy's interviewed by a local news station, and she talks about a reoccurring dream where Tianda is there, and Tracy asks her where Diamond is. Tianda says, I'll take you there. And then the dream ends. And then at this point, they've been doing yearly prayer vigils. At the 2005 yearly prayer vigil, um, the group walked to a bridge where the girls were last seen. And this is the only time this bridge is mentioned that I found is in this prayer vigil, they walked to a bridge where the girls were last seen. I don't know what bridge. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if there's a confirmed sighting of the girls that the police have of them being on a bridge. I wonder if that bridge is a bridge that... Because some people, some folks said that they spotted them playing, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. I wonder if there's a bridge near wherever that space was that they were playing at. Well, there is a pedestrian bridge that goes to the beach very close by that some did say the girls were on and they did comb the beach, 31st Street Beach specifically, which is where this bridge leads to. They combed that beach pretty extensively and sent in divers. So it could be, but this is the only time I see the bridge mentioned as the last place the girls were seen outside of their apartment by their mother. So in 2006, this is five years since the girls have been missing. And at the one-year anniversary, the police say the only recent tip they've gotten is um, a caller who had a dream and was calling to tell them about the dream about Tianda and Diamond. But I just mentioned that because it's like there really are no leads coming in. Like, I feel like when you're getting to people's dreams, like, you're really scraping the bottom of the lead barrel, you know? Not to say that people can't have premonitions or visions, but, like, I think when you're investigating those, it means you've run out of, like, other concrete, like, I think I saw them at this place. I saw them here at this time, you know? Like, you've run out of those if you're tracking down dreams and visions. Well, yeah, in, in, like, classic cold cases, even cold cases back from, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, when, like, um... 
Genetic evidence? Is that the word I'm looking for? Like DNA. DNA, thank mm-hmm. you. Before, public school. <laughs> Before DNA it was, like, really prevalent, they would turn to, mm-hmm. like, be, um... Like psychics. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are psychics that, like, assist with the FBI, and I assume that they, like, hit it right if they, like, are continuously called in, you know, for cases again and again and again. there have been moments of, of success. Totally. Um, and I'm not one to turn away mystical revelations. I'm not too good to turn away a mystical revelation, no. Not at all. But that was 2006. In 2007, Shalia, the girl's great aunt, Tianda and Diamond's great aunt, um, she receives an email that says, this is Tianda, and the word is is spelled with a Z. So investigators track this email to a MySpace page, and the young woman whose MySpace page this is looks just like the age-progress photos of Tianda. I mean, looks just like her. When kids in the family see the MySpace photos, they ask if Tianda had been found. That's how immediately recognizable this person was as Tianda. And a forensic artist was asked to compare the MySpace photos with Tianda. And so she went in trying to disprove and to not give any false hope to the family. So she really was trying to prove that this MySpace person wasn't her. But slowly, she compares three MySpace photos and five photos of Tianda before she disappeared, and she says, oh my god, it's her. So this bleeds into 2008, and the Chicago Police Department, they disagree with the sketch artist. And eventually, in 2008, the MySpace girl's father comes forward and says, like, this is not Tianda, and he even offers to give his DNA to the FBI to, like, um... How is he contacted? It just says that, like, he comes forward, so I don't know, like, I'm sure police were, like, contacting this person, whosoever MySpace it is, and, like, you know, it it is said that they got the IP addresses, so they okay, would know where it was sense. coming from, yeah. um... But, I didn't know if it the picture had started circulating and it was like yeah no it 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 remained within the police I believe so yeah he offers his DNA but I don't know if the FBI ever take it but they seem very satisfied in knowing that this is not Tianda and not related to the case at all and so when the sketch artist was later asked about like the misidentifications she said that this was the first time she had been wrong in her career so that was like the big news of 2007-2008. There's no real updates in 2009, nothing in 2010. 2011, nothing really. Um, Victoria Bradley, which is Tiond and Diamond's sister, and that's whose birthday it was the next day after the girls went missing. She becomes like a local high school like superstar in basketball and she's very good at it and so she's interviewed in a paper about like how basketball has helped her deal with her sister's disappearance but that's really all the media coverage for 2011 nothing in 2012 in 2013 Shalia this is the great aunt again and she's really becomes like a spokesperson for the family and like the main driver in keeping this in the media she's amazing but 
Shalia receives an email from a woman in Gary, Indiana, and the woman said that she needed to clear her conscience. And she, the woman wrote or told Shalia that her boyfriend was unaccounted for on the morning that the girls went missing. And when he returned home, he was visibly shaken and upset, and he had said that he had done something messed up. And then he says, quote, she saw it, I had to kill her, end quote. So police have never talked about this tip, and pretty quickly after, the woman stops cooperating with police and stops responding to the family. But the police never talk about this tip or what it's related to or who it's related to or if it's related to the girls at all. But that is something that happens in 2013. And in 2013, the police officer, Ed Carroll, he retires from the Chicago Police Department after 26 years. And he had been working on this case since the beginning and on and off throughout his entire career. And this is what he said about the case. Quote, Almost every case I've ever worked, especially the violent crimes, you're always able to either include someone or exclude someone. And this was the only case I worked in my entire career where I couldn't exclude anyone or include anyone, end quote. 2015, nothing happens, but there is noticeable difference in the family. They talk less about them coming home alive and just like wanting to find them and uh, bury them and know where they are. In 2016, the yearly vigil is still being held every year um, on the anniversary that the girls went missing. And this year, Shalia was interviewed at the vigil and she mentions that two men were in the apartment after Tracy left that morning. Um, this is the only mention of it at this point, but Shalia says that two men were in the apartment after Tracy had left that day. In 2017, Jim Miller, who was the family's PI and who had been working on the case pro bono since the beginning, he dies, and this is a big blow to the family because he had been working this case for free, but he had also gone to Mexico, Morocco, like different countries following tips in regards to Tianda and Diamond. So like he was able to do just like what the police weren't and he focused his, so much of his time on it. So it was a big blow to the family when he died in 2017. 2018, nothing, no news. In 2019, a woman in Texas comes forward claiming to be Tianda. She reaches out to Shalia, the great aunt, and this is like reported in the news and on the news they had like Shalia showed her texts with this woman from Texas that was claiming to be Tianda. Um, and I paused it so I could read the whole screen because I am Snoopy. And um, <laughs> Shalia asks this woman in the texts, um, who did your mom leave you with? Question mark. And the woman responds back that they were left alone. But I thought that question was really interesting considering that in 2016, Shalia also mentions that there were two men in the apartment. So were the girls left with somebody? Was somebody supposed to come watch them? The woman in Texas, she is willing to take a DNA test to prove that she is Tianda, but it ends up being a lie. She just 
reached out to kind of fuck with the family, which is messed up. 2020, no updates. Obviously, that's the year COVID happened. Um, There's no coverage about the yearly vigil. 2021, this is 20 years after the girls had gone missing, and there were a lot of media stories about them. And in 2021, the police cast doubts around the note because of how well written it is, and that goes back to like the family commenting on the grammar and commenting on the spelling of the letter. Police believe it was someone they know that the girls knew because they would not have opened the door for a stranger. Now, in this case, I think the main suspect that jumps out is George Washington, Diamond's father. Oh, I thought it was the neighbor. The neighbor, George? Mm-hmm. Well, so these are some of the other suspects in the case. So the neighbor, George, is also like a suspect or somebody the family has considered a suspect. What makes me think that is that who was it that called to ask, like, can I leave for the cake or can I leave? So that would have been Tianda. Which she was nine or ten? She was ten, yeah. But George Washington isn't her father. Mm -mm. So she would call him George. Mm -hmm. Okay, never mind. Yes. Yeah, so she would call him George. And the girls called their neighbor George by a nickname. So the other suspects in this case, a registered sex offender spent time around the girls and would later dedicate a book to them. Yeah. Eli's face is very disgusted by that. Some family claim that Tracy paid a family member $5 to watch the girls that day. And so this brings into question the comments that Shalia, their great aunt, made of there were two men left in the apartment after Tracy left. Like, could that be the family members that were asked to come watch them? And then also when Shalia asked the woman from Texas, who did your mother leave you with? Like, it's only been reported that they were left alone. So something that only, you know, they would know, somebody close to the crime, mm-hmm. or Tiand and Diamond, would be if they were left with somebody, actually. But yeah, it's, that is um, a rumor that um, some family claim. The neighbor, George, who would babysit the girls, once made a comment that something bad would happen if Tracy kept leaving them alone. Which, again, it's like everything is suspicious after somebody goes missing or somebody is murdered, right? Like, everything can be suspicious, but it's like, you have to. Like, you have to hold up everything to the light and make sure that, like, it passes, you know? Another suspect is a man that had once been believed to be Tianda's father, and it's reported that he even had paid child support for a time for her as her father, and he is from Morocco. He's a Morocco immigrant. Investigators and the PI traveled to Morocco to look for the girls, but there's no evidence that they were ever there. And the kids um, that claim they saw Tianda and Diamond playing on the playground the day they went missing, the kids claim to have seen a light-skinned man in a trench coat approach Tianda and Diamond to talk to them and then saw the girls leave with him. Those are kind of the suspects in this case, but to date, no trace of them has ever been found. No trace that's ever been reported. And 
Tianda, she would be 31 years old. She was four foot two inches when she disappeared. Obviously, that is not the height she is now, but she does have brown hair, brown eyes. She has a burn scar on her left forearm about the size of a quarter, and she was last seen with green ponytail holders and a scrape on her left calf. Diamond, she would be 24 years old today. She was three feet tall when she went missing. She has black hair and brown eyes. She has a scar on the left side of her scalp and she has very deep set eyes. Anyone with any information regarding Tianda and Diamond Bradley are encouraged to contact the Chicago FBI office and that is at 312-421-6700. And today's sources for today's podcast or the sources for today's podcast um, come from a lot, a lot of newspapers. So the Chicago Tribune, the Times, the Dispatch, the Daily Chronicle, Iowa City Press, USA Today, Journal Gazette, Courier Post, the Indianapolis Star, the Baltimore Sun, the St. Louis Dispatch, Des Moines Register, the Daily Herald, Quad City Times, Arizona Republic, um, the YouTube channel. Truly- did you say Des Moines? Des Moines. You said Des Moines. Oh, did I? <laughs> The Des Moines Register. <laughs> You're great. You're perfect. Uh, the YouTube channel Truly Criminal, Case Files Chicago, CBS Chicago, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Box 32 Chicago, WGN News, and Black Club Chicago are all sources for today's podcasts. And again, if you know anything about the disappearance of Tianda and Diamond Bradley, either from the day they went missing to where they are now, please contact the Chicago FBI office at 312-421-6700. And that's it. Will we be back next week? We'll be back next week, next Monday, with another story. So have a great week, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.